today I want to speak to you on a subject that we have titled love is the message love is the message love is the message love is the message or the message is love when we were, when we were in school when we were growing up there was a song love is the message and the message is love were you born at that time or you people are too young you make me feel too old reverend al green love is the message love is the message the whole christian message is love the whole message of christianity and the whole message that jesus sent us is is love this whole thing that we are doing in church this whole thing we are doing called christianity look if you want to sum up the whole message of christianity is love i want to make it simple i want to make it easy for you to understand i want to make it easy for you to handle i want to make it easy for you to share it the only message that we have been given to share is love go to song of solomon chapter 8 verse 7 song of solomon chapter 8 verse 7 the bible talks about the fact that many waters cannot quench love that is how powerful it is love is so powerful that the Bible says many waters cannot quench it. There's nothing you can do that will quench the love of a man who is on fire. Or a woman who is on fire. In fact, sometimes fathers disown their children, especially when the daughter or the son says that, no, it's usually the daughter, the, the sons, they have a lot of um, thinking. But the, the, the daughters, they are the ones who do those things. You have been with your father for 25 years. You have known him for 25 years. Then you meet a man for six months. And then suddenly, you, anything your father says, you don't hear. Because love has come. Love is so powerful, so strong. That's why the Bible says that many waters cannot quench it. Many advice cannot quench it. Many counseling cannot quench it. Many anger cannot quench it. You sometimes you look at a man, you look at a woman, and you are wondering what this girl is doing with this man. It is from this verse. Many waters cannot quench it. So your daughter can walk away from you and engage herself to a man that she just got to know 24 hours ago. And you will tell your daughter that this man has no future for you. Your daughter will tell you that you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. All because many waters. Love is that powerful. And the Bible says, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Meaning, if I even sold the things in my house, and exchange it for love, it is still not enough. That is how powerful it is. That is how powerful it is. So sometimes you are, as a pastor, you, you see your church member going into a relationship that will kill her. A relationship that will mess her life up. And you tell her that, sister, this place you are going, it is not safe. They will tell you that, pastor, you don't understand. Sometimes you tell them, is the person a Christian? Pastor, he's a good man. Is he a Christian pastor? He has a good job. I'm not talking about the job. Look, the person has fallen in love and there's no water that you can pour on her that would quench the love. As long as they have fallen in love with that person, there's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes you are in the house with your wife, you are in the house with your husband and his or her attention is caught by another thing. There's nothing you can do to quench it. Many waters cannot quench love. It is that powerful. It is that powerful. Many waters cannot quench it. So if you want your marriage or your relationship to last, let some love be in it because many waters cannot quench it. Many waters cannot quench it. When you decide to choose somebody to marry, look for somebody who can love you and somebody you can love. Don't look for somebody who has hips or who has height or who has chest or who has um, six pack or one family pack. Look for somebody who loves you and who you can love. 
Are you understanding me? Many waters cannot quench it. But many waters can quench fair color. Many waters can quench um, flat stomach. Many waters can quench long hair. Many waters can quench beautiful face. But when it comes to love, many waters cannot quench it. Nor can the floods drown it. So stop looking for hips. Stop looking for height. Stop looking for beauty. Stop looking for nice teeth. The teeth no ebe to two. I have seen people with very nice smile. In the evening, they remove their teeth because it is all artificial dentures. So when you see them in town and they are giving you such nice smile. Recently, I saw a video. A man just entered his room and said that now I am in my room. I can be free. Then the guy moved his shirt, removed his arm. No, not the whole arm. He, they have put... Um, they have put lining around the arm. So as he's wearing the t-shirt, you see a macho man walking around. So he came in, he removed, then he put the things surrounding the arm. Then you see Lengelenge arm. Then he will remove this one. Then he removed, he lifted his t-shirt, removed his six-pack, put it down. Then the t-shirt that he was wearing now has become very bullet on him. As he's walking around, he sat down, then he removed his hair. I said, Quick, is this what people are doing? So, my brother, my sister, stop. It's not so now, it's not only our sisters who are who are swerving us. We too know we have become wise some. We are also swerving them. So stop looking at the stomach, stop looking at the arms, stop looking at the hair. Sometimes there's no hair, it is just a wig. They can remove it. Look, I will find that video and send it to you. The guy entered his room, removed, threw it down, threw it down. Lifted up his t-shirt, removed the, the stomach. All of it, put it down. Pulled his trousers, removed <laughs> the legs. Then you see, very slim guy, wearing bowler shirt. Sat down, crossed his leg, then removed this one too. And I said, wow. So, many waters cannot quench love. But many waters can quench stomach. Many waters can quench muscle. Many waters can quench hair on the chest. Many waters can quench. So, if your decision to marry or your decision to go into a relationship with another man is because he's tall, many waters can quench height because you see another man who is taller. If it is because he is short, you will meet another man who is kapwepwe. And what will you do? If you continue following color, following height, following stomach, following V-shape, following everything that you can see, a time is going to come, you will not sit in your marriage because what led you was not love. What led you was not God. What led you was a man. And who is love or what is love? God is love so when love drives you it is God that is driving you when true love is driving you it is true God that is driving you that is the reason why many waters cannot quench love because many waters cannot quench God many waters cannot quench God I feel you too many waters cannot quench love he cannot quench God but if it is not love if it is not God then it can be quenched easily. It can be quenched easily. And don't also tell me when you have been possessed by lust that, oh, pastor, you said that many waters cannot quench love. That's the reason why I walk kind of mean to you, know, because my yet, my yet, my yet in love, you are in confusion. Nor can the flask drown it. If a man will give for love, all the wealth of his house, it will be utterly despised. So that's how powerful love is. Amen? So Jesus tells us in, his, in, in, in the word of God that, you know, we must carry the message of love to the world. We must speak the message of love. You must share the message of love. Unfortunately, many of us have confused this word love to mean too many things. 
So to some people, if you hug me, it means you love me. So if I meet you and I hug you, hey, this man, he really loves me. I have seen people hug people and kill them before. Have you not watched movie when they hugged? The reason why they hugged was, why, what, how did Judas betray Jesus? With a kiss. So we cannot say that because you kissed me, it means that you love me. I have seen people kiss people and put poison in their mouth. I have seen people kiss people and hand them over for killing. Jesus was used like that. Kiss. A kiss. So sister, don't put your, your life on a kiss. Oh, pastor, the way he kissed me, it means that he loved me. Hey, go and check how Jesus, Jesus was kissed by Judas. It was hatred. I, he hugged me. The way he hugged me, I know that. Hey, Pastor, when he hugged me, I knew. The way he hugged me, the thing that went through me, I knew that he loved me. It is a lie. It's a lie. Don't ever equate love to hug. Or as, as, for, as for this man, the, he loves me because he doesn't, even, he doesn't even rebuke me. He has never shouted at me before. Every time, even when I make a mistake, he says it is well. It's not love. He doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. Sometimes the people who shout at you, they love you more. Sometimes it is out of their love that they shout. Hey, stop that nonsense. It's because of love. It's not because we hate you. So don't equate silence. Oh, he doesn't shout. Oh, he's always, he doesn't even correct me. Some people too, if you buy them food, it means you love them. I'm telling you the confusion about this word love. So if I bring you in Domi, it means that, <laughs> Pastor, he loves me, eh? the way he loves me. Every weekend, he buys me in Domi. You are, I don't know what to say. <laughs> in Domi is not love. In Domi is food. In Domi is food. Look, even people, when they kidnap them, they're about to kill them, they give them food. They are going to kill them. They kidnap them. They are waiting to kill them. Still, they feed them. So it is not food that shows that anybody loves you. So stop equating and getting your, yourself confused with food. The way he gave me food, it means that he loves me. Pastor, anytime he comes around, anytime I visit her, she cooks for me. It means she loves me. Please ask her, do you love me? Oh, I see you as my friend, though. You are my brother. Anytime my brother comes here, I give him food. So, you too, when you come here, I normally feel that you are hungry. That's why I give you food. It is not because he, she loves you. Stop assuming that him because food, food is love. Sex is not love. Sex is not love. I am telling you the things that are not love, that people think that is love. Sex is not love. If everybody you have slept with is somebody you love, today you will not be sitting here. If that is the case, if love makes people sleep with each other, then prostitutes, they love everybody. It is not love. It is not love. It is just a section of it. But don't let it be that if you love me, then you, you, if you love, if you love me, what? If you love me, what? So, so, so if you love me, then you let me. It's a confusion. It's madness. And it is going around, especially in our youthful church. It is very easy for people to come and tell you, you know, uh, you know if, if you love me, you know, I think I'm going to marry you anyway. And we are in love with each other. We are not in love with each other. If this is the only way you can prove your love, then go. I have seen goats having sex with other goats. It doesn't mean they love each other. I have seen dogs having sex with their mother. It doesn't mean they love each other. It's just a function. It's just an operation. So stop thinking in your mind that sex is love. Sex is not love. Sex can never be equated to love. Even sometimes in marriage, sex is not a sign of love. The man is tired. He just wants to finish himself and go and sleep. Are you understanding the message I'm preaching? So stop equating love to sex. Then we go, we go out, you meet anybody. The reason, why, the reason why he said he loved me, that's why he did it to me. Now you have become pregnant and he's saying that I bought it. Is that love? Now you have become pregnant and you are telling him that the love that we shared with each other, there's a result. The, which love? Which result? Which, 
You wrote your exam, you have got your result. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and deal with it. Oh. I don't know anything about it. Is, is that love? So there's a lot of confusion that is going around. Sex, this, that. Please, it is all confusion. What is real love? John chapter 15 verse 13. John 15, 13. Let me show you what Jesus says love is. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13. Greater love, the Bible says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That is love. That is love. Greater love has no man. There's nothing greater than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friend. That is love. So if the person is not prepared to lay down his life, if the person is not prepared to sacrifice his time, if the person is not prepared to sacrifice his energy, if the person is not prepared to sacrifice his money, if the person is not prepared to sacrifice what he has to give you life, there is no love. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So Jesus is talking to his people and he's saying that, if you want to show love, think about sacrifice. If you want to show love, if you want to show love, then what you are talking about is sacrifice. The only type of love that Jesus condones, Jesus accepts, is the sacrificial type of love. Where I give away my life to ensure that you live. Where I give away my time to ensure that you get better. Where I give away what I have to ensure that you can live and you can perform. Not when I am taking advantage of you. When I love you, I sacrifice for you. When I love you, I release myself for you. When I love you, I give you even what I don't have so that you will do well. That is what Jesus is talking about. He says that he sacrificed his life for somebody who should have died. He died for that person. Sacrifice. That is love. That is love. Not sex. Not food. Not engagement, not hugging, nothing like that. Love is the sacrifice that you make for another person. So he says, I give you this commandment that you love one another. John 13, 34. John 13, 34. Are you following me? I'll finish very quickly. Don't worry. A new commandment I give to you. So Jesus is now talking again. He says, a new commandment. I have given you some commandments already. You have got some commandments. The ten commandments, you have got them already. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not serve other gods beside me. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's property. Then now Jesus says, I give to you a new commandment that you love one another. So as much as you, you don't steal from your neighbor, love your neighbor. So the commandment that thou shalt not kill is the same commandment that says thou shalt love. So it is not a suggestion. So loving your neighbor is not a suggestion. It is not an advice. It is not something that if you want to do it, you do it. It is a command. Just as you will not kill, just as you will not steal, you have to love. It's a command. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you are not just loving, but you are loving the way I loved you. And the way Jesus loved us was the sacrificial love. So what he's saying is that, I want you to love your neighbor like the way I loved you, sacrificially. You love sacrificially. You give yourself sacrificially. You give yourself more than even what you get back. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. The message that we are preaching is love. That you also love one another. Verse 35. 35 quickly. By this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So he's describing his disciples. And Jesus says that. If you love one another. Everybody will know that you are my disciples. Look at it well. He never said that if you speak in tongues. Everyone will know that you are my disciples. These days. The only thing that we have as Christians and we used to show our Christianity 
Ikararabaya, Imbakaduya, Bungalaba, Bunkalaba, Bunkitaya, Bunkataya, Ibunkataya. That is the only sign we show that we are Christians. But Jesus never said, if you speak in tongues, then they will know that you are my disciples. He said, if you love one another, stop speaking in your tongues and start loving one another. It will show the people more of Christianity than your tongues that you have been speaking. People will follow you for your love, not for your tongues. He didn't mention anointing. He did not mention anointing. He didn't say that if you are anointed, then the world will know that you are my disciples. He said, if you love one another, if you love one another, if you show love to your neighbor, if you show love to your sister, if you show love, sacrificial love to your friend, then the world will know that you are my disciples. Didn't say if you have a big church. Didn't say if you are called pastor or bishop or prophet or, or whatever. He said if you can love, you have sent the message. He didn't even talk about evangelism. He didn't talk about going to preach. He says that if you can love, because I came to see by studies that when love is in a place, anointing flows easily. When love is in a place, the grace of God is abundant. When love is in a place, everybody is affected by God's grace and God's mercy and God's kindness. The most important thing that he's expecting of us is to love one another. If only you can love one another sacrificially, his presence will be with us. And when the presence of the Lord is with us, there is is no problem that will not go there is no poverty that will not run away there is no deliverance that will not happen he didn't say that if you can deliver people he said if you can love i came to give you a new commandment as a church that if we in the rohi church can begin to show love to one another we will cause the world to believe in the god that we are serving until we show love we cannot sell any message to anybody the message is love. And love is the message. Love is the message. The whole Bible is love. The whole job that we have been sent to do is to come and show love and talk about love and speak the language of love to people. Are you understanding me? Are you in the church? Right. Let's continue. John 15, 12. John 15, 12. And I'll launch into the area and then I'll close. John 15, 12. This is my commandment. So every point he's telling us that it is a commandment. It's not optional. It's a commandment. It is something that you don't have a choice. You have to do it. So if you are not loving, you are breaking one of the commandments. If you are not sacrificially loving another person, you are breaking a commandment. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Jump to verse 25, I think. Ephesians 5 2 and walk in love as Christ also has loved us. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and giving himself for us. So he's telling us that do it the way I did it. I did it by giving myself. You to do yours by giving yourself. For us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. This is what hit me. He says that I did it not because I wanted to do it. I did it not because I had it. I did it because it was a sacrifice to God. I did it as an offering to God. So if you are going to love somebody, don't love somebody just because you get something. Don't love somebody just because you have the opportunity to love. Love somebody because it is a sacrifice that you are giving to God. Love somebody because it's an offering that you are giving to God. He says that an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. It is not because I have more than enough. That is why I'm giving you. I am giving you because God would be glorified when I give you. I am giving to you because it's a sacrifice unto God. I am hugging you not because I feel like hugging you, but because God cannot hug you from heaven. He can use my hands to hug you. God cannot give you money from heaven. He can use my hand to bless you. God cannot kiss you from heaven, but he can use me to touch you. So what he's saying is that I am doing all of this as a sacrifice to God. How often do you show love to your neighbor with the mind that I am giving a sacrifice to God? How often? The reason why it is difficult for us to show love is because we never see God in our neighbor. 
We never see the image of God, but we have all been created in his image. So everybody that you meet is the image of God. He may not look handsome. He may not look handsome to you. He may not, she may not look beautiful to you. But whoever it is, he is the image of God. She is the image of God. He or she has been beautifully and wonderfully and fearfully made by God. So if you are showing love to him, you are showing love to God. If you are showing love to her, you are showing love to God. If you are disliking her, you are disliking God. If you are fighting her, you are fighting God. Do it because it is God that you are doing it for. You are not doing it for him. You are doing it for God. So it says, I sacrifice to God in loving you, I sacrifice to God. My love for you is a sacrifice to God. Your love for him should be a sacrifice to God. So you may not like what he says. You may not like how he smells. You may not like how he dresses. But you must love him anyway. Because he is the image of God. You may not like a lot of things about him. But you are not God. You are not supposed to like a lot of things about him. Your job is to love him. God's job is to work on him. So my job is to love you. My job. Look, I have been commanded to love. It's a command. I can't do anything about it. So I will not hate you. I will love you. But to befriend you is a choice. Are you understanding me? If I give you a shirt to wear, it doesn't mean you are my friend. I'm just loving you. My command is to love, not to make friends. So I can choose the people I befriend. You can decide who you want to befriend. Because if you befriend everybody, that one to create a problem. So it is not everybody who you must befriend, but everybody you must love. Everybody you must love. So everybody see the person as the image of God and love the person. But you don't have to bring them to your home. Are you in the church? Are you here? Are you following me? Go Luke chapter 10 verse 30. So somebody came to see Jesus and was asking him, what, what, how do we get to the kingdom? And Jesus said, love thy neighbor. Then the man says, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So Jesus takes his time to explain to him who his neighbor is. And I want to use that passage to end my, my message to you on how we are supposed to love. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Anytime you are moving from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are going down. Physically, the topography of the land is that if you are moving from Jerusalem to Jericho, it is a descent. You are going down. Amen? I see you in Israel very soon. I said, I see you in Israel very soon. And then you would understand this thing that I'm talking about. When you are driving from Jerusalem to Jericho, you go down. So this man was moving from Jerusalem to Jericho. And Jerusalem is the house of God. Jerusalem is the place where the, the king is. It's the place where we, the city of the, where we worship God. Jerusalem. So this man has moved from Jerusalem and is going down to Jericho. And normally, anytime you move from the presence of God and you decide to go away from the presence of God, you descend. Anytime you, you rebel against the presence of God, you rebel against God, you start going down. Anytime you fight against the dictates and the mandates of God, you begin to go down. So if you look at some people who are fighting the things of God and fighting God, it's just a matter of time. You see that their life begins to diminish. So this man ran away from Jerusalem and was going to Jericho and fell among thieves. And that's what happens when you are leaving the presence of God. You fall into the hands of bad people, wicked people, people that would mess you up. And anytime you run away from God, you run away from the church, that is what happens to you. I have seen many people who have rebelled against churches, have rebelled against God, rebelled against pastors. And then they go, you meet them six months down the line. And you wonder, what happened to you? Where have you been? What, what happened? They are worse than they used to be. Because you can't fight God and win. So a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Most of the time, what happens? By the time the devil and the world finishes with us, we have been left almost dead. Are you here? Move to the next verse. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. 
When I started reading this passage, what God brought to my mind was my own life. And I'll share my life with you so that you understand what, it, what this message is all about. God brought into my, 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 my sight and my mind that you are like the priest in verse 30. You had certain people who were with you, who were flowing with you, who were coming to church with you. They were worshiping God with you. They were coming to lie down in the, in the place with you. They were raising their hands with you. Then at a point, they got angry with you. They left. They walked away from Jerusalem. They left you and decided that we are going to Jericho. And then you, 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 you were in pain. You were sad. You were disappointed that these people have left you. So as now by chance, this pastor, that priest, came down that road. And when he saw this brother who left him, he saw this brother and saw that the brother is wounded. The brother has been torn into pieces. The brother is hungry. The brother is suffering. The sister, look, there are some people you tell them, don't marry this man. They go and marry the man. In six months, one year, two years, three years, you meet them and the man has torn them into pieces. And when you meet them, sometimes you want to say that I told you so. You remember I told you not to marry this man. God has vindicated me. Look at the way you are suffering. Look at what is not happening well with you. It is because of your mistake. You left me. Look at how you are suffering. There are times even we as pastors, we hear stories of people who left us, who insulted us, who castigated and lambasted us so badly that we were even like nobodies anymore in this world. Nobody wanted to deal with us. Then a year or two years down the line, you are walking somewhere and you hear about this brother. This brother is suffering. Things are not working. Things are not going right. And as a pastor who has been hurt and wounded so badly, you lift up your hand and say, God, you are a good God. You have been good to me. You have disappointed the enemy. This is what the same, this is the same thing that the man did. The same thing that the man did. Anytime you sit down and you read about this man and you are saying that this pastor was a very bad pastor, look at your own life. Look at your own life. Look at how many people disappointed you and how much you wanted them to fail. Somebody, your father disappointed you and you have never forgiven him. You're always praying that he will die. And whenever you pray for him that he should die, anytime you see his picture, he's looking better. That man who, who broke your heart, every time you pray, Father, Kojo Maningu, Kojo Manimbre, Kojo, you pray against him and anytime you see him, he's getting promotion. Anytime you see his picture, he's gotten a new car. Anytime you see him, he and his wife, they have traveled to Dubai and they are coming back. And you are in pain. All you are saying is that something bad should happen to him. And this man too, I am sure, was with this man in Jerusalem, serving God together. And this guy decided to leave. Walk away. Like the way some of you just walk away. And then you fell among thieves. The thieves destroyed you. As a pastor. As a Christian brother. As a church member, what do you do when you see this person? You take your phone, you take a picture. Then you send it. Hey, Pastor, serious. the guy is suffering. Hey, God don't punish him. Pastor, you are a prophet. Everything you said about him has come to pass. You are an embarrassment, you. No, it's a shameful thing. It's a bad thing to do. The way we talk about this man is the same way we are talking about you. Why are you jubilating over someone's failure? Why are you jubilating about someone's, someone's um, 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 mishap? Someone's problem. Why are you so happy about it? Why are you so joyful that the person has lost his job? Why are you so joyful that the person is not able to complete his education? Why are you so joyful that the relationship has ended? Why are you so happy, Christian brother, Christian sister? Why are you so happy? Pastor, why are you happy that the person who left you, his church is not doing well? Why are you so happy that the person who left you, his ministry has collapsed? Why are you so happy that the person who left you, his business has collapsed and things are not working for him? Is that what Jesus has sent us to do? So this man came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Move to the next verse. Then, a minister in the church. So the first one was the pastor. 
the pastor himself saw the guy and said, hey, remember I, tell, I, I told you, I told you, remember I told you, I told you that this thing, if you do it, it will fail. You didn't listen. You see your end. You see your life. You see how you are suffering. This is just the beginning of you go if now they can't suffer. They there. Then he moves. Then the minister also arrives. He is going to Newtown to preach. Then he sees this brother who was with him, who has left him. Says, God is not an anatta man. God is not an Ewe man. God is not a Ghanaian. God is God. This man, the way he fought us, the way he lambasted, the way he went against us, look at how God has punished him. Why do you want to be happy about someone's failure? Then you take your phone, you take a picture and you send it to your pastor. Pastor, I have a testimony for next service. Pastor, you are a prophet. Pastor, God called you from your mother's womb. I have never seen a prophet who is as sharp as this before. Everything you said came to pass. Their brother, so, so, and so, I met him, pastor. He is suffering. And pastor, I am happy that you are my pastor. Wicked minister. Wicked shepherd. Wicked member. Instead of doing what unbelievers will do, you are doing what Christians will do. I am speaking properly. I understand what I'm saying. I'm not making a mistake. You must do what unbelievers will do, but you are doing what Christians are doing. Are you getting the message? I will show you what unbelievers do because that is what we must be doing, but we will not. We are rather doing what Christians do. So these two people, the priest was a Christian. The Levite was a Christian. These are the things that they did. Go to verse 33. They all passed by. They all moved them. But a certain Samaritan, a certain other, a certain Samaritan who's not part of them, a certain foreigner who has no connection with the man who was lying down there, who knew him from nowhere, who didn't have any relationship with him, he was passing and then he, as he journeyed, came where he was and saw him. He had compassion. Immediately this foreigner saw him. His heart began to bleed. He said, no, 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 it's not possible. How? What happened to this one? It is not right. This is what unbelievers do. When they see their friend in trouble, they go and sit with their friend and drink with the person, drink with the person, buy ogoglo for the person and carry the person to go and eat fufu. After that, he will take the person home. He will take the person to the chop bar almost every day to ensure that the person will not commit suicide. But a Christian, when we have that opportunity, we would push the person down to the point where our brother or our sister will not even feel like a human being again and would want to commit suicide. We are shameful. Very shameful people. Very, very disappointing people. So instead of doing what the Samaritans will do, instead of doing what foreigners will do, instead of doing what unbelievers will do, we do what ordinary normal Christians do. And what ordinary normal Christians do is that we are selfish, we, are, we feel good about ourselves, we think that we are the holier than thou people, we think that we are the only ones going to heaven. You'll be surprised that with all your holiness, you will go to hell because you didn't love. So the Samaritan who had enough sense like the unbeliever. I was telling some people that when, when in the world people lose their children or people lose their friends or people, people have a problem, your unbeliever friends will come and sit by you. Charlie, this thing here will not allow it to happen. It's wrong. We will give you some money. You have to go on holiday and relax because otherwise it will go you it will go into your mind something bad will happen to you let's go and sit down meet me let's let's have dinner together let's have lunch together let me buy you drink let me buy you food let me give you some money after that i'll take you home and then i'll come back tomorrow to come and check on you that is what they do but in the church when they see that you are in trouble that's the time that they will hammer you the more that's the time that they will hurt you the more that's the time. 
when they have seen that your church members have left you, that is the time that they will speak about you. Ah, they have left him. Eh? Hey, he's a bad pastor. He's a bad man. That guy, we never believed him anyway. That's the reason why he's suffering. When they see that your wife has left you, that is when they will push you down. Hey, the wife has left him. Eh? He's a foolish man. That's the reason why. But in the world, when it happens like that, your friends will come and sit by you. They will go and look for your wife. They will talk to your wife. Your husband is a good man. Make sure this thing work. Help him. Let him stand. Let this thing stand. Make him not collapse. But in the church, we will fight it. In the church, we will fight it. This is the place where we must show love. This is the place where we must show compassion. This is the place where our heart must break for people. But this is the place that our heart is hard against people. But in the world, oh, let your mother die in the church. And let your mother die in the world. And see where you will get support. Lose your job in the church. Lose your job in the world. And see where you will get support. I pray that in this church we change that system. I said I pray that in this church we change that system. I pray that in our time we will change that system. So the unbelievers were showing more love than the Christians. The unbelievers were giving more than the Christians. When my father lost his children, he said the pain that he received more was from Christians, from pastors, from spiritual people. Have you been praying? What did you do wrong? Mean, you know, are you not a prophet? Could you not see? How come? But the world, they sympathized. Oh, man of God, sorry. And I've seen it several times. When it happens to you in the church, do you pray at all? Have you been praying? Last communion, did you come? Do, do you give your tithe at all? Do, do you love God? Are you close to God? If you were close to God, maybe you would have heard this thing or you would have seen it. But the world, they don't care whether you are close to God or not. They don't care whether you are close to Satan or not. They don't care. As long as you are with them, they are with you. They stand with you. They support you. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw the man that the church left, the man that the pastors left, this Samaritan came and had compassion. Move to verse 34. He had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds. When are you going to bandage somebody's wounds? When are you going to reach out to somebody, a single parent, and bandage their wounds? When are you going to reach out to a little boy whose parents have disengaged and disconnected with him and reach out and bind his wounds? When are you going to reach out to a girl who has been broken by a useless man and bind her up and, and help her with her wounds? When? When will you stop gossiping about them? When will you stop insulting them? When will you stop fighting them? When will you stop jubilating about them? And start binding their wounds. Church, when will we start binding their wounds? The message is love. The message is love. The whole message is love. Everything that we are preaching, the bottom line is love. We preach anointing, it is love. We preach sacrifice, it's love. Everything we are preaching is love. The question is that, how much love are you showing? How much love are you showing? He went to him. He went to him. The man couldn't come to him, so he went to him. Stop saying that. As for me, I'm there if they come. As for me, I'm there. Pastor, if, if only he will talk to me, I'll help him. But if he doesn't talk to me, I'm not, going, I'm not the one who is going to talk to him. Look, the man was wounded too much to go and talk to the Samaritan. The Bible says the Samaritan went to him. When will you start going to people? When will you start talking to people? When will you start going across to somebody, cross over to this row and talk to somebody? Sister, these days I don't see your smile. What is going on with you? Oh, I've lost my job. You have lost your job. I should be able to help you. What do you do? How can I help you? Okay, let me give you 50 Ghana cities for this week. I will try and see what I can do. Rather than, ah, what's going on with you? You've lost your job, eh? Uh, well, I can help you if you can also help me. 
Use, use, use what you have to, to get what you want. In the church, scratch my back, let me scratch your back. In the church, in the church, not outside, in the church. Meanwhile, I know places where unbelievers, they just help without thinking about anything. They don't need anything from you. Uh, you, you need a job here. You need accommodation here. You are struggling with this here. Why can't we help in the church? That's the reason why from next month, we are cooking and feeding people every week in Ashima. No, it's a decision that we have made. It's a decision we have made. We realize that there are people who don't have food to eat. So once a week, we will cook food, look for a deprived community in Ashima, go and pack our things there, and serve at least 100 people that, look, eat rice, eat kenke, eat chicken, eat some. 100 people and then we pray for them and we leave. Whether they come to church or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Unbelievers are doing it for free. Muslims are doing it for free. Hindus, they are doing it for free. We too, we will do it for free. We do it for free. Says, he went to him. When are we going to them? When are we going to them to be, to be kind to them? When are you crossing to somebody? When are you going to go into somebody's life and start talking to the person and find out what are you really going through? What is going on with you? When? Every time. That's on me. me, I don't want to. You know, you know, I'm a private person. I don't want to talk to anybody. But, Pastor, if they come, I will help them. But if they don't come, I'm keeping my money. Wicked man. Wicked woman. Pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal. He set him on his own animal. Brought him to a hospital and took care of him. He set him on his own animal. He jumped off the animal and gave it to the man who was suffering. When will you give something that will cost you? When will you give your food that you are about to eat to somebody that can't have anything to eat? Sometimes your dessert is somebody's main meal. Stop eating your dessert and give it to somebody. Stop eating your food and give it to somebody. Sometimes the shirt that you wear in the house, it will be a powerful shirt for somebody to go to church. Your trousers that you used to wash in the house, it will be a trousers that somebody can use to go for an interview and get a job. Why can't you give something that will cost you for once? It says, he set him on his own animal. Brought him to the inn. Took care of him. Give me verse 35, I'm finishing Verse 35. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the hospital keeper or the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay. So I, I am taking care of you. I would ensure that you come back to your normal self. I would ensure that why, why don't we help people to the end? Why do you get tired so quickly? You get tired too quickly helping people and you start complaining too quickly and you give up on people too quickly. Even the unbelieving Samaritan, he didn't give up. He said that I will take care of you. I will pay your bills and I'll give you some money and then I'll give some money to the doctor. When I come back, if he has already spent more, I will pay the rest. Love. 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 So what kind of love are we talking about? The love, number one. Love, let me just read it quickly. It's just two minutes. I'll read this one. Because I've preached the message already. This is the love that Jesus is asking us to do. Love someone who cannot love you back. Love someone who cannot love you back. Don't love somebody because he would also love you back. Love him. Love her. Even if they won't love you back. Even if, don't give the money because one day you to you need money and he will give you back. No. Do it because you, you feel you must do it. Not because me too, one day I will need you. So make sure, as, as I'm scratching your back today, you to scratch my back. Love someone who cannot love you back. Love someone who wants to kill you. Love someone who wants to mess you up. Love someone who wants to mess you up. Love someone who is gossiping about you. Love someone who wants to pull you down. Love somebody who, who, who wishes that you would have an accident. Love the person. Love the person. The third one, love someone who doesn't love you back. Four, 
Love someone who has faults. Love someone who has faults. We all have problems. We all have issues. Love someone who has faults. Don't say that, ah, Akwawe, he has too many issues. I can't love him. Love him with the faults. Love her with the faults. Love him with the problem. Love her with the problem. And finally, love someone without considering yourself. Love someone without considering yourself. Love someone without considering yourself. Don't think about yourself. As for, hey, if I do it, I will lose. If I do it, hey, my money will go. If I do it, my, my everything will... Love without considering. Don't consider yourself. The man dropped from his donkey or his beast and gave it to this guy who had been injured. He didn't consider himself. Took him to the hospital. Didn't consider himself. Paid. Didn't consider himself. Anytime you are loving somebody, you are considering yourself. You have not sacrificed. It's not a sacrificial love. Let's get to the point where every, I mean, how do you, how do you sit in a church for a year or even six months and the person who sits about four chairs from you every Sunday, you don't know the name. And apart from not knowing the name, you don't even know where they live. You don't know what they do. You don't even know the need that they have. This morning I saw some nice young men dancing. When they were entering the church, I said, hey, these are wonderful people. But another mind was saying that, hey, the way they have dressed, is it safe? And the Lord told me that when you were coming to me, did I consider your safety? Did I consider whether you are safe or not? Don't you remember how you came? I remember how you came. These people look nicer than when you came. But, but look at you now. Look at you now. Look at you now. The only thing that helped you was because we showed you a lot of love. And because of the love that we showed you, you were compelled to become what God has called you to be. It's the love that brought the change. You to reach out and love somebody. Reach out and show somebody love. The whole message that we are carrying as the Ruhi Church, as Christians, as pastors, as believers, is love. From today, let us love. Show love to your brother. Show love to your sister. Show love. And may God bless us as we spread the love. Thank you very much. Put your hands together.